Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. I'm deeply sorry. I'm fully aware that I'm ultimately responsible for the situation that has harmed the university as a whole and our department of athletics and our football program. I want to apologize to Buckeye Nation. I followed my heart, not my head. I fell short in pursuing full information because at each juncture, I gave Zach Smith the benefit of the doubt. And I am sorry for that. I did a poor job at Media Day. It's a big reason why we're here today. I was not being as complete and as accurate as I should have been at Media Day and afterward. But there is no intent to mislead. My role is to set a good example. In this instant, I did not live up to the university's standards. So I got home last night around 8.45, sat down, was having a little late dinner, flipping around the channels, trying to find something to watch sports-wise. So I flip it over. I thought it was going to be the Little League World Series, and they cut, and it's like this breaking news press conference. Right. I was like, oh, here we go. When I saw that apology... Because I had been following it like everybody else yeah. on Twitter all day. And there's all these reports, rumors coming out. There's a power struggle. Urban's not going to be suspended. He's fighting it. They're not going to do it. And they're like, well, no, Gene Smith doesn't want him. Then the president wants him to spend all this back and forth. That is a guy right there who fought it tooth and nail for 10 hours, however long they've been. And then he's like, all right, fine. I'm going to go out and read this apology. Yeah. Read it like it was so uncomfortable because he clearly is being mandated to do it. And he gets three game suspension. Um, yeah, I got a couple of thoughts on that. Number one, like that, you could tell that that, that wasn't the most sincere of, of apologies. If apology. you want to have a sincere um, apology, give somebody note cards with points. Don't read it. Right. Don't read right. it. That's the first thing that I thought of. Like anytime someone's looking down reading it and you're monotone and there's real, there's really no affect, like I don't know that you really mean it. But, um, you know, that, I think it speaks to how big Urban Meyer is in Urban Meyer's head. Cause in my, in my view, like you're like the new John Gotti. You're Teflon, like Meyer at this point because <laughs> you're navigating. Look, you got some, some thuggish, ruggish teams in Florida and you got through that. You're at Ohio State. This is pretty damning stuff. And you skate with the three game suspension. Like I would be looking at that like I dodged a bullet and he's clearly looking at it like this is some BS, which speaks to like, how grandiose his view of Urban Meyer is. And as far as Ohio State goes, dude, just come out and say it. He's a damn good football coach. He's a damn good football coach, and we don't want to fire him. Right. Like, And we didn't find enough that makes us have to fire him right now. His talent outweighs his baggage. We're keeping Urban Meyer. You're spot on. And here's the thing, though. like, Because when it came out, I was like, all right, what's your initial reaction? Because yesterday I was like, all right, if they're going to do something – have a serious suspension. Don't make a joke of it. I think they did. Yep. I think that, the, the fact that he's missing three games, I think, was very purposeful because he is missing a good game. He's right. missing the game against TCU, which could have national title implications. So they're staking, they're saying, we took this serious enough. For some people, it won't be enough. For some people, it'll be too much. For Ohio State fans, they're probably like, this is crazy. This is our head coach. Bottom line, when I sat back there and I was thinking about what's my initial reaction like, I don't know if this is going to appease everybody. There's no winner in this whole situation. There's not one winner in all of this. That's the thing that's like, just like, all right, I guess it's over. Like, and like, if you're an Ohio State fan, do you celebrate? Like, yeah, we keep Urban Meyer. Yeah. Like, is that your reaction? No, I don't think you, now you have a blemish on your career. I think it is. (laughs) I do. I think the majority of OSU fans are, are in that camp. Whether, whether, 
like we like that reaction or not. Uh, like, unfortunately, I do think that most of them are like, we got Ur- Urban Stan. There were a couple things that came out of the investigation that were pretty like eye opening. The, the one thing that I found was a little bit unique. They said that Durbin said he did not know. His wife never told him about the text messages with Courtney Smith. I don't believe that. I just right. don't. No, no, I gotta be looking at my wife. Like, do, are, are we good? <laughs> like, right. no, do we have For a, real are, are though, our I told my wife, good? I told my wife about this. This was right when the story broke. I'm like, yeah. he could be in trouble. I'm like, but there's no way his wife didn't tell him. Shit, my wife goes, I don't tell you everything. Like, what, like, 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 what are we talking about here? <laughs> but she's like, no, she was like, seriously, she's like, if I have a friend who has an issue in her marriage going on, I was like, I probably, I'm not telling you about all of those. No. I, well, all right, but this seems more serious. Like, I, I still, even after she said that and she was kind of defending. Sure. Saying, hey, maybe there's a case where she just didn't know. To me, it seemed like it hit a little close, too close to home for him not to know. Now, look, clearly husbands and wives don't share everything, right? Right. But, but if you guys are friends with a couple and there's some alleged domestic violence stuff and your wife is hearing from the wife, I mean, you guys are all friends. So it stands to reason that she'd be, probably be like, like, at some point, whether it's in, like right off the bat or not, like once it weighs on her conscious enough, she's probably gonna come to you and be like, like "Danny, I gotta, like, I gotta share something with you, bro." Right? You know what I mean? Like, right. so I do not buy that. We also learned this one. I thought was really interesting because you're wondering out there because they downplayed. They said he did not deliberately lie. I was like, "Well, what does that mean? Like, that's something my kid would." Well, say. that's a good one, though. right? <laughs> we that's did not good. deliberately lie. So you're what you're thinking? All right, well, how they do that? So in the report, they found we learned. Coach Urban Myers sometimes had significant memory issues in other situations where he had prior extensive knowledge of events. What? He has also periodically taken medicine that can negatively impair his memory, concentration, and focus. I think that's what they were trying to blame it on. Then you know what he shouldn't be doing? You know what he shouldn't be doing if he's got that much memory loss? Coaching? He shouldn't be coaching a damn like football team. <laughs> he shouldn't be the face of your franchise, so to speak, if he can't remember certain things. So essentially you're saying he blacks out. That's what they were trying to say. I mean, it's it's all it's just a sham. Like that's oh. the thing I look at, and they're doing this all for public perception, yeah. and that's what all of these cases, unfortunately, are are the punishments that are doled out are to appease the masses, not to do the right thing. That's why I look at them kind of like oh, I don't know how I'm supposed to react. There's never a proper right. like again. There's no winners in this situation. Um, as far as Big Ten, the uh, the Ohio State team on the field. I still think they're in a pretty good spot. I think they'll be fine without him through TCU. I think they'll be fine. He's also, this is weird, so he's not allowed to be at practice till September 3rd, which would be the, through the first game. Right. Then he can come back to practice. He can still coach. I think you're telling me he's not out there trying to communicate with his coaches on game day. So he's going to, like, play. I wonder how they're going to monitor that. Like, cause you, you're, like, you're probably not going to be a lot of text, but is there some secret line of communication? Can that he be in the horseshoe? Can he be in the, not for the first game? And I'm, I'm assuming not for any of them. Like he would, but you can be watching on TV in his office and yeah. have some line of communication. That's interesting. And so, but he can prep the team. Like he can go through after, after, week, after week, after the first game, September 30, he can come back with it. R- right. But so leading all the way up to TCU, like he can't, operate game day operations right he can do all of the the yep. prep work up to the game yep. monday so, so, of practice so, i can lead practice i can take you in and out of practice. So really it's a one game suspension i mean for all intents and purposes right like Kinda, i yeah. mean you're not going to let him on the sideline but he is going to be out there coaching pretty much you know why i don't really care and i hate to say that i, I do care from the respect of the young lady like um no one should be subject to to someone uh, physically abusing them and stuff like that. So, I, but as, in terms of like this whole sham of a, of a like, uh, deep dive and, 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 you know, all of that from OSU's perspective, I, I knew that he wasn't getting fired the same way you knew that he wasn't getting fired. He's too good of a football coach. And again, it happens 
everywhere in any walk of life, if you're really talented and you're really good at something, um, they're going to figure out a way to keep you around unless your baggage and, and stuff is so condemning and so bad that it outweighs how good you are at your, at your job. So like if urban was, you know, six and, and five or seven yeah. and seven and eight or eight and six, he'd be gone. Right. He'd be out of there. No questions asked. We would have had none of this taking place. And that's why I don't care. Right. Uh, we'll start to see how they do, uh, week win against Oregon State. So I was following that story as the board of trustees met for 12 hours and I was following it on Twitter. And then I saw what else was going on on Twitter. So Phil Mickelson <laughs> opened up a Twitter account. Tiger comes out and officially announces this show. He, op- he with just Phil. opened it? Yeah. So he like, con- oh yeah, Phil just opened his. He only has five tweets. He already has 95,000 followers. We got to get you up to speed yeah. on that one. Uh, but they officially behind. confirm. The match is what they're calling it. Nine million dollars. There was rumors about ten million dollars. Going to be nine million dollars yeah. at stake. Here's the kicker, though, and I think this is going to be challenging. Tiger tweets a photo saying it's on. Yep. Phil comes back and said, "I bet you think it's the easiest nine million you will ever make." He's kind of talking trash. That's kind of funny. Which is funny, like but it's kind of lame. It's kind of old man's. It's kind of old man <laughs> talk. It's not going to be just where you flip it on and watch it. There's a lot of there's a lot of the, the smack talk going back and forth. Yeah. His tiger says, "You think you'll be some bragging rights?" Mm. Bill says, "Let's do this." It's not going to be just a, a, a thing on TV. You have to buy it. It's pay per view. I've that raised my eyebrow because I generally am curious: Is anybody going to buy this? Even hardcore golf fans, um, because you can watch these two play golf almost. You know, any other major golf event, you're going to be able to watch Tiger this weekend. You're going to watch uh, Phil this weekend. Has there been a price put on it yet? Not yet. Because that will be the I think determining so factor for me, right? Like I if, think so too. What at what dollar amount do you buy? Where do you tap out? <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I would, I'll go up. See, I'll probably do it just for work, like as we'll yeah, be talking about it. Right. So I'll do it for work and like write it off. All that, like <laughs> we can do that. Um, if I was just average dude, like sitting around, who was just a casual sports fan, probably twenty bucks is what I would go up to. If it was fifty, I'd be like, nah, tap out. Yeah. I, I I would say twenty nine ninety nine. Like you could take me to thirty dollars. Yeah, and I, I probably <laughs> and then that's the line. Yeah, I probably wrong. be out. And, and some of that would be dependent on what else was available for my viewing pleasure. Right, day, obviously, right. right. Like if, it's if going to be Thursday. I think it's the Friday of college football. There's going to be college football. It's the Friday of Thanksgiving. There's going to be college football going on. There's a lot of uh, just there's a lot of stuff going on that weekend. Like it's not going to be just they're the only event. Like they used to do it on the Monday night of Labor Day. Yeah. Had him play David Duvall and there wasn't a college football. It was the only thing on. So people watched and it was free. Like you better get some serious access and some serious trash talk. Like you, they'll be mic'd up. They'll have all kind of camera angles. They'll have the caddies mic'd up. Yep. Better be entertaining. I, like what if it's a blowout? What if Tiger comes out and beats him five and four and the match is done? Or flip side. Like what if that happens? Like so they I, better, they better do a little Floyd Mayweather like Conor McGregor and dance with him a little for bit. For that reason, I think I would hate it. Because I don't want to see an overproduced, like you guys kind of out there, like hamming it up for the cameras, trying to sell, uh, Phil versus Tiger number two. And I think that's what it'll devolve into at some point. You know what I mean? Like yeah. over the top. That's not your normal personality. Like we're trying to sell this thing. And I want, I would have wanted to see, and you talked to Mark Immelman when we talked to him the other day about it, when they were like both in their prime and they really hated each other mm-hmm. and it was going to be like a, an F you F right. Like that's what I would have wanted. Exactly. To not this like, right. Chummy, their there. best bud. Yeah, they're talking fake trash on Twitter. Like, right. come on, let's, I want to see him get mad. Uh, there's also news out of the NFL. They will not change the helmet rule. They won't listen to me. I'm trying to get them to nix it. Say, you know what? It was a mistake. It was a bad idea. We've already had 51 helmet penalties in just 33 preseason, preseason games so far, but they did review it. And they did sort of make 
an admission that maybe they went too far. So the, the admission they met, the committee did determine that inadvertent or incidental contact with the helmet and or face mask is not a foul. Okay. But that's so vague. Again, it's the problem is the vague <laughs> language that they're using because like a lot of the hits that they've called have been inadvertent. Like, and how are you going to determine that? Is it inadvertent if the guy catching the ball goes down? Correct. He lowers his point of contact. They're not going to be able to police that at the speed with which they play. They're just not. I, again, the spirit of this rule, I'm all for it. Like it, the Ryan Shazier situation, like if that, if that didn't give you pause and, and give you concern for the game needing to be cleaned up a little bit, like, then, then I, I think even the most, the game, they, they are part of the game, but even still, when you see that, you're like, Jesus, man, we like, I'm not saying change the whole framework of the game, but that scared even the hardest football fan had to be like, that's a scary, scary moment. So trying to teach kids at a grassroots level to take your head out of a tackle. I'm curious. So I your, think, your son plays. What if they talked about it at practice? Like, are they talking about the new ways without your head? Are they complaining yeah. about the rule? Well, they're, that they're, level? they're complaining they- about it because some of the old school football guys are like, look, if you try to go for this hog tackle and you're not strong enough or you're too high on the tackle, um, you know, and a, and a running back is just going to kind of throw you and you, and you don't make the tackle. That's a touchdown. But as a parent, like I'm saying to my son, bro, if I see you with your head down, Right. I, if I see you with your head down, I'm pulling your butt off the field. Right. I, you, you, you know, I know you love to play football and that's great. I support that. But if I see you with your head down, I'm going to give you one shot at it. And if you mess it up again, I'm pulling you off. And it's not because you there might have missed it. There are two types down. of head down because there are at the youth level, I think too many kids get scared. And so they, they shy no, away from this kid. No, this kid likes down. to hit. And then there's so other he, ones that spear yeah. and want to use the crown of their helmet. That's, that to me is the essential, the part that the NFL missed on. They should have specifically said the the crown. Like it's it's not just contact a helmet against helmet. So the official language says it is a foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. They should have put in with the crown of his helmet. Right, correct. Then you're kind of covered, and then it makes more sense because you can't lower your head, and it really is more obvious than just stating uh, if he lowers his head and the helmet makes contact. Like really be specific with the language because that's my time. Is I mean, it's too many times. It's too vague. The only way to really keep a head out of a tackle is to like slide tackle like they do in in uh. In soccer, like, right? That's the only way that your head doesn't lead a tackle, right? right. Like, to, to to your point, like we were in the in youth practice the other day, and they were doing a tackling drill. It was an angle tackling drill, and every kid was trying to keep his head. He wasn't leading with the crown, like he was just going in head up. But the ball carrier naturally comes in and tries to get small and deliver a blow himself. There's there's head to head. it's it. Yeah. The helmets are it's going football. to hit. They're it's, going to. It's right. going to happen. So it'll be something. We'll see if the NFL, if this minor tweak that they've admitted that maybe it was wrong, if it's going to mean anything, or are they going to call it differently once the regular season starts? It's going to be fascinating. People are going to be watching it very closely. Yeah. And I think it is going to have an impact if they continue it the same way. Uh, college football. We got to talk about some college uh, football quarterback competitions. Ridiculous. Three teams have not named their starter, and I have a big problem with it. Tell you why next on Off the Bench. Quick video for you here. Too much. No. Where is he? <laughs> All right. Where Too is much, he? bro. Get up. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Holy bad heroes. Jimmy McDermott. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's it. He's the only Batman. Holy heroes. <laughs> that might have been a little over the top. I'm telling you, I cannot get enough of these. Bring more. I'll watch every one of them. I don't think they're cheesy at all. I get emotional. I'm about to cry up they're, here. They're, I love it. Good Bring story. I like, I like more like the, uh, just, uh, like off the hip type, uh, let's surprise you. I don't like yeah. that. It's a, it's a little, a little production there. Production you know, was there production. a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah. That guy was an awful Batman. <laughs> Maybe better than Val Where Kilmer. Where is he? Maybe better than Val Kilmer still. Uh, how about we have to see this? Cause Javi Baez hit a ninth inning home run and, uh, I love late game heroics, don't you? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> oh, so what, so wait, we're so, oh, so wait, you can't keep him down. See, I didn't realize the context of this. This makes it more entertaining. So he gets knocked over. Oh. Goes down. You know how bad that hurts? That's self-inflicted. I do oh, not. That hurts. And then you just come back and do that? That hurts so bad. Does it hurt worse than like clipping the inside of your heel with your golf club? Very similar. Uh, yeah? Worse. Would I would you say clip that ankle bone with your with your like wedge or something like that? Similar, but he is wearing the, the shin guard thing there, so you kind of you got to take that one off. Yes, very similar though. That's yeah. worse. My daughter, she always swings around her club. like yep. I'm like, watch out for my ankle. Right, correct. Please don't take my ankles out. <laughs> All right, get us caught up, man. I can't Ooh. wait to hear that. All right, here we go. My turn for the news in 90. All right, major news out of college football last night. Ohio State coach Urban Meyer has been suspended the first three games of the season. Uh, the two-week investigation found that Meyer mishandled domestic abuse allegations against the former assistant coach. Meyer won't be allowed to attend practice or have any contact with the team through the opening game against Oregon State. Uh, the school also suspended athletic director Gene Smith for the first two weeks of September. Um, bad news out of Dallas Cowboys camp as the three as three-time All-Pro center Travis Frederick has been diagnosed with a what? with an autoimmune uh, disorder. What's it called? It's called Guillain Barr syndrome. Uh, Frederick released a statement saying he was receiving treatment, but we was unsure when he'd be able to return to playing. Uh, the Raiders are signing Dominique Rogers-Cromarty after he worked out for the team on Wednesday. The two-time Pro Bowler spent the last four seasons with the New York Giants before being released in the offseason. Uh, and coming off his runner-up finish at the PGA Championship, Tiger uh, tees off in less than an hour uh, at the Northern Trust in New Jersey. It's the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Another group to keep an eye on this morning would be Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kapka, and Justin Thomas, the top three in the world golfing rank golf rankings. Uh, they tee off together at 8.05 Eastern. That's the bless your heart. Uh, <laughs> That's what you're calling <laughs> That's the bless your hearts. All right, let's do some college football because we're getting closer and closer. I think you and I, too, we have to put out public picks. Okay. Who's going to get to playoff? We'll yeah. do that next week. Because right. we have week zero, but I'm not going to watch week zero, I don't think. Maybe a little bit. Hawaii, week zero Colorado is like State, the, Yeah, no, 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 Mountain no, no, West no. contest. I'm good, I'm they, good. Like, they do it in Australia or Straight. somewhere like that, somewhere crazy. Uh, but next week, we're going to put our picks out there, all right? Yeah. Uh, but until we get to there, we have to find out like who's playing quarterback for a lot of these teams. Ironically, the teams that are ranked one, two, and three, Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Still have not named their starting quarterbacks, which I think is insane. Like, come on. Like, can you, I, there's some of it. I'd say 10% of it is coaches trying to be coy. So you, the other team who you're playing in week one doesn't get a beat on what, you know, what type of defense to run. Right. But you gotta know. You have to know what you're gonna do. Well, my question is, do the kids know already? Like, is this? I don't think they do, which is really unfair as well. Yeah, I think that's pretty unfair. And it's, it's not only unfair to the quarterback themselves. I don't think it's a good look for the entire team. I agree. Offense needs to know who's our leader going to be. If we have a fourth quarter drive, let's say you're um, trying to think which one of these teams is playing. Oh, so Alabama's playing Louisville. They're a heavy favorite. Let's just say hypothetically that they're in a tight game in the fourth quarter against Louisville. I don't think they will be. Fans, Alabama fans, relax. But who, what are the guys going to be like? Well, are we going to have two or are we going to have Jalen? Like, who's going to be our guy if yeah. that's the situation? Because he might play both. I would not be surprised. Nick Saban 
has had a long history of playing two quarterbacks early in the season, kind of figuring out Jalen Hurts was that in that position when he was Blake Barnett. They were right. playing, and then he won the job, and then the other guy leaves. So that would not surprise me. But I just still think you're better served by putting a guy out there and saying, this is our starter. We're going to go with him, much like uh, Michigan did with uh, Shea Patterson. Right. I just think it's a better situation. Now, well, the one that kind of the, – the next two. So Alabama is a little bit – it's a weird situation because these top three teams, quarterback battles, they all had guys playing most of the season last year, if not every stat, um, that are not established returning starters, which right. is kind of crazy. If I'm one of these guys, I'm kind of ticked off. Like, and I'll just being honest with you. I, if I'm Kelly Bryant and I had a pretty good year at Clemson, yeah. won the ACC, took you in the playoffs, and it was not pretty against Bama, I'm like, what, what did I do wrong? Like, right. why, why aren't I, why don't I at least get the benefit of the doubt and get to start the next season? And if I, str- if I struggle, then yeah, we have Trevor Lawrence in the back, you can put him in, but why haven't I earned the benefit of the doubt? I'd be kind of ticked if I'm, if I'm Kelly Bryant. Or not kind of, I would be purely Same ticked. thing with Jake Crom. It, it was my beef, that's what was my beef with college athletics. Like every year, it didn't matter what I did. Like, I was freshman of the year, Boston University, I'm hosting recruits that are playing my position. Like there, it's a, it's a, it's always an upgrade. Like they're always looking to upgrade. I mean, yep. it's the same with the pro level. You have to just, embrace that competition but in fairness um to basketball coaches like the job was mine coming into next year like everybody now if the, if the freshman the incoming freshman beat me out we had a competition going on but they always deferred to the to this the guy who was uh the upperclassman if he had been doing his job and it wasn't a vacant seat right um, there's also the aspect that maybe in some of these because trevor lawrence was a massive five-star recruit yeah justin fields at georgia was a massive five-star recruit recruit maybe there was some aspect of the recruitment process that's what i promise you you will be able to compete for the job like well, maybe that, that's why they haven't named it and they're well trying to otherwise what, why would you go there if you weren't going to be able to re- like if right. you're a five-star saying, blue chip and i'm not going to get a chance to compete i'm going somewhere else so that has to be a promise right, right. but i look at it from like in any one of these battles, right? You've got how many guys on a, on a college football roster? Like how many how many dudes are on a college football? Eighty five scholarships, right. one hundred and ten in camp. So you're talking about two dudes, right? Yeah. You're gonna have some that are in team Danny camp, and you're gonna have some that are in team Raja camp, right? Yep. That's just the nature of the way that goes. Some guys are gonna ride with Danny, some guys are gonna ride with me. The longer you let that play out, the less time you give the Danny camp time to like embrace me and see what I can do and say, all right, Raj is our guy. Let me wrap my mind around that. We're going to go to battle with Raj or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So you could potentially have a split locker room. You don't give him enough opportunity to rally around the guy that you name with four days uh before your first game. I just think there are a lot of reasons why it's a bad look to carry the competition all the way up until this point. You should have done that. There was plenty of time to say that you were in a quote unquote yeah. quarterback battle for the last few months, right? Like a month out, get it squared away. Let's go. I get it because I thought, Jalen Hurts, I think you've seen the max of his potential. And right. He's pretty good. Like he was, he was offensive player of the year as a freshman. Last year he had a pretty good, you know, 17 touchdowns, one interception. Like those are really good numbers, but there was just something missing, but you don't need that extra gear of offense when you have as much defense as the Bama right. has. So I understand why he might not have his job. Same thing with Kelly Bryant. Like he was good, but I think there's another level that they can take it to. The one that's really perplexing for me is Jake Fromm because he had a really good year, took him to the championship game. In the championship game, he played well. Like his play kept progressing better and better. Right. And they're saying, all right, maybe your job isn't. I 
He's a, he's a youngin'. Probably, is he a youngin'? Yeah, he was a freshman youngin'. last year. Out there making throws on the biggest stage. I was like, oh, man. You know what? So, you, you, want, are you about to touch on it? The Kelly Bryant situation? What about it? Well, I mean, not the Kelly Bryant. I'm sorry. The Kyler Murray situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Because we had, we had Shea Patterson named at Michigan. So we do have some of these battles, you know, resolving themselves. Right. Coaches making these announcements. So Lincoln Riley did come out. They officially named Kyler Murray the starter, which, again, is one of the – everybody assumed was going to happen – Kyler Murray of the six million dollar signing bonus in his camp. Like, imagine his pad. Like, you Listen, go by, have a fat crib in college. Are you kidding me? You think Kyler Murray is coming back to Oklahoma after being given nine million dollars? I mean, what is it? Five million dollars? Six oh, million dollars? He's a ninth kids. overall damn pick. You yep. think he's coming back to Oklahoma and you didn't promise him to start a job at quarterback? <laughs> right. That's what everybody out of here. said. Yeah. I think this team is. Because I think people are sleeping on Oklahoma still, saying, all right, Baker Mayfield's gone. Right. Right. He was the number one overall pick, Heisman Trophy. He had a lot of offense that he accounted for. But I think their offense itself is high-powered. I think Lincoln Riley is a really good play caller. I think they'll put up numbers. There will be a drop-off. It's just natural. It's a player coming in. I think he's going to be more mobile, which will be interesting to see if he protects himself or right. if he puts his body on the line. Does he think about any of that when he's out there? But the Big 12 is wide open, and when I say wide open, it's not that great. Right. Like, it does not have that much depth. Like, people are high on West Virginia and Will Greer. Texas, you're looking at them saying, all right, are they going to be back? Oklahoma State doesn't have Mason Rudolph anymore. They're trying to replace a QB. Iowa State had a little bit of a resurgence. You know, TCU sure. is a team that's going to have a, bat, um, a huge game week three against Ohio State. But they still, Oklahoma should have the most talented team in that conference. I could see them getting back to the playoff again. With Kyler Murray at quarterback. So, do you, I mean, that's because you don't really trust the Big 12, but do you think they could do anything in the college football playoff, or do you think? Oklahoma? Yeah. They, yeah, absolutely. If, if Kyler Murray at that point is, is, and I'm not, you don't want to say like as good as Baker Mayfield, because Baker Mayfield is one of the best all-time college quarterbacks. They've got to get better on the defensive side of the ball. And that was their downfall against Georgia. Because I've always, like, I rip on, you know, I, I defend the Big 12 saying they don't play any defense. Right. Because the offenses are so good. Well, you went against an SEC D, uh, offense that was running the ball down your throat. Like, you've got to at some time be able to bow up and say, all right, we're going to get a run stop here. Instead, it was Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb left and right, like, running all over the place. If they're If they got better in the trenches, better on the defensive side of the ball, they have a chance. But ultimately, I don't know if they have the horses to run with, Clemson and Bama and Ohio right. State, like the other teams in there. But you never know. Like they could have, they still could have won that Georgia game in a right. shootout. They just they came up short in overtime. Um, Nick Saban, just go with one of them. Pick one. But I, I the trend is going to be they're going to pick, um, they're going to play them both. I bet they, yeah, play I both think they're going to play them one. Both, uh, sure. The Kelly Bryant situation at Clemson, that one's interesting because they play like, like a cake, uh, cakewalk the first game. Then they go to College Station week two against Texas A&M. Yeah. That's a tricky game for them. Cause I know Jimbo Fisher's, you know, first big game at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is going to have some big dudes. I know Clemson's defense is good, but they might need a bump at quarterback in that game. And does Dabo Sweeney have the stones to say, all right, I'm going to bench Kelly Bryant, who was 12 and two as a starter, and I'm going to go to this freshman we've never seen before. No. Because it took a really bad situation in the national championship game for Nick Saban to make that change. Right. Does anybody else, are they going to make these moves earlier than that? Or are they going to roll with it? Well, how about this? If I'm Kelly Bryant, like, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But if I'm Kelly Bryant and I was 12-2 and two last year and you bench me after one game, after one game, you bench me in the second game. Yeah, dog, you might as well what throw if, the paperwork up. What if Trevor Lawrence or Sunshine's like, cause Sunshine, you know, like Sunshine, yeah. Movie with Denzel. 
Uh, what if Trevor Lawrence comes in there and lights it up? Are you, do you feel at least a little bit better? Like, oh man, this guy's really good. Or no, look, tick? I have no beef. Like, if Trevor Lawrence is that much better than Kelly Bryant, then play Trevor Lawrence. I'm, but if I'm Kelly Bryant, I'm still out. <laughs> right. Like, I don't, good for you, my dude, but I'm gone. And you could have told him before. Cause Correct. Kelly, uh, Trevor Lawrence been lighting it up all spring. Correct. You could have said bounce and then you could have gone somewhere else and got your opportunity. That's right. Uh, college basketball has a new metric that they're going to use to help determine the NCAA tournament field. We're going to hit, uh, break that down. I'm not an analytic nerd. But I think Matt Norlander is. All right. Uh, no. <laughs> just call Matt We're Norlander. Just with him. We're going to get him next to help us break it down on Off the Bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Uh, college basketball. I was asking uh, Coke, our producer, earlier. I'm like, yeah. I didn't realize college basketball started this early. It's August, and they're already playing. Like, I guess it, I just never paid attention to it, but it seems like there's more video of them now. Like, when you're seeing Duke. We didn't play Alfred, We didn't play this early. Like, I think we did not. Home. Like, they're making it year-round. Like, yeah. give these guys a chance to breathe a little bit. But they also, uh, the NCAA came out and announced that they are doing away with the RPI system. So we need some help breaking it down. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to bring in our guy, uh, Matt Norlander here. He's a CBS Sports college basketball writer, does great stuff. He's also the co-host of the CS Sport, CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast. Check him out on Twitter, at Matt Norlander. What's up, Matt? How are we doing this morning? Fellas, it's great to be with you. How you doing? Fantastic. All right, we need some help because we are not analytics guys, and I've actually never been a huge fan of the RPI either. I just kind of hear the numbers; they go in and out. I just got it last year. You did? Like I just started following <laughs> now RPI they last year. Switched it up yeah. on you. So, what is the difference in this new system, and are you a fan of it? I'm a fan of it overall. The difference is way too complicated to get too into the weeds here, but the RPI was so archaic and simplistic. You know, it was debuted in 1981. The NCAA used it for 37 years, okay? And now what's going to be used is what's called the NET, the NET, the NCAA Evaluation Tool. It's got five key components, the team value index, team efficiency, your win percentage against Division One opponents, your adjusted win percentage, and scoring margin. Scoring margin is important, guys, because up until this point in an official capacity, how much you beat a team by did not officially factor in to how you were ranked in, in terms of the RPR, how the NCAA viewed you. Now, it's going to cap out at 10 points, which I think is a little bit low. I spoke with Dan Gavin, who runs uh, men's basketball, uh, the senior vice president in men's division NCAA, NCAA Division One. He said the 10 points was the best marriage between not encouraging coaches to run up the score and still allowing to have some sort of line of delineation of, okay, there's a difference between winning by 10 points and one point. But as you guys know, it's also harder to do than people think that if you want to just beat a team by 25 points. So I actually think in the coming years, we're going to see that cap go up overall. Big picture, this is going to be a smarter conversation about getting the right teams into the tournament and seated more correctly because they're going to wait how you perform on the road, how you perform in neutral court settings, and who you schedule more properly so that if you're a big-time school and you don't challenge yourself in the non-conference and you only rely on your big league games, the committee is going to be smarter about putting you in the proper place versus other teams that might have been more ambitious in November and December. You, you touched on what it would do for the big programs. What, what does this mean in theory? Did they try to address any of the situation with the misseedings of some of these mid-major programs that have hopped up and surprised people the last few years? Raja, in my opinion, absolutely. Now, Dan Gavitt said there was no implicit intent with any of this. It wasn't looking for any bias for any kind of program, any sort of, his words, population of college basketball. But here's the deal. When you're a mid-major school and you're coming from a one-bid conference, as we see almost every single year, guys – You'll see teams that have really strong records 
that were not afforded the kind of opportunities in the non-conference against top 50, top 70 type opponents. And so they don't have a fair evaluation. So what this tool does and what the committee is getting better at is saying, okay, here's team A, team B, team C from a mid-major conference. We know that they didn't get to play so many opportunities against other conferences, but since we have our quadrant system and since we're giving more weight to how you perform on the road, how you perform in neutral court settings and how those scores wind up coming out, I think that mid-major teams will have a better chance of having a seat at the table and getting in. And I do want to point out, though, Raja and Danny, it's not just mid-major teams. You know, Mike Boynton, the head coach at Oklahoma State, texted me yesterday shortly after our story came out. And he said, "Okay, under this, we get in last year. Oklahoma State famously had the most impressive non-conference marks overall among major conference programs and beat Kansas on the road, had these really impressive road uh, wins, but they didn't get in. And so I think under this system, a team like Oklahoma State from a major conference would as well. So keep that keep that in mind. And I understand that we're in August, guys. And, and Danny's like, I didn't realize college basketball was happening. We've got Duke going on. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when we get to March, this new system is going to be the talk. You might be sick of the acronym NET by the time we get there, but I'm telling you, it'll be the talk of the tournament because it's going to really dictate how the field is seated and selected. The tournament has changed forever for the better. All right, Matt, you just referenced it, the fact that we were talking about Duke and the fact that they're already seeing them, seeing viral videos of Zion Williamson dunking from the free throw line, as we've been seeing for him for like the past eight years since he was about six years old, it seems like. But uh, you got you and Gary Parish did your uh, poll, the co- uh, candid coaches poll, and you asked the coaches, who do you most want to add to your roster? And Zion Williamson was one of it. Another one of his Duke teammates was R.J. Barrett. Who do you think will have the bigger impact on the court? Because we know about Zion's dunking skills, but what about just as a sheer helper to the squad? You nailed it, Danny. Bigger on the court. I think Zion's going to be a really good player. I think R.J. Barrett will unquestionably be the better college basketball player. I think he's going to be the number one pick in the 2019 NBA draft. He does everything so well. It's so interesting with Duke and Kentucky now. Every single season, guys, we get to this point where we're expecting a freshman to come in and be almost generational. You know, Marvin Bagley III last year was hyped up to be that, and he delivered. He had done things that no freshman had ever done at the ACC level. I think R.J. Barrett's got a great chance at duplicating what Marvin Bagley III did there. Zion Williamson is going to get a ton of pub. He will be this year's Trey Young in terms of how much he is discussed, how much he is shown on TV, how much fans might grow to hate him because how much attention is brought upon him. But I'm telling you, R.J. Barrett does things on both ends of the floor. He is so well-rounded. I firmly believe that he could step into the NBA right now and be an effective starter. He is that talented R.J. Barrett is. So keep that in mind when we look at Duke, who is extremely young again. And let's not confuse these issues. They will be fantastic players and very fun to watch, and Duke will be very good. But last year's Duke Blue Devils team made the Elite Eight. It had struggles consistently throughout the season with its defense. Can Mike Krzyzewski do this again? Can he get a group of a lot of young guys? They don't even have a Grayson Allen senior type on this roster anymore. Can they be successful? I'm not convinced of it, so keep that in mind. I don't think Duke is going to be the best team in college basketball next season. Could be the most exciting. So that's interesting, right? Because uh, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, both on that list of who you'd want to build around, and you just alluded to them maybe not being the top team in the country. Um, when you guys did the poll, the team that did come back as the best team in the country was was Kansas. None of those kids are on the list. Um, they've had they had a pretty good recruiting class themselves with names like McCormick and Dotson and Grimes. Like, but why are they number one on that list? And none of those kids would be a build around type of kid. Great question. This was fascinating to me as well, Raja, because I didn't hear from coaches that wanted any of those guys. You know, one coach in particular told me a lot about Quentin Grimes, who's going to be a freshman at Kansas. He's going to be a one-and-done player, thinks he's going to be a fantastic pro overall. Kansas has the best blend of 
talent incoming, and then they've got transfers who are now going to be eligible, including Dietrich Lawson, who is a stat monster when he played at Memphis. Okay, and then you've got Charlie Moore, a guard from Cal. Previously, he's going to be eligible this year. You have LeGerald Vick and Yudoka Azubuki, two of five starters on last year's Final Four team coming back, and then Bill Self is respected as a, I want to say, a top three tactician in all of college basketball. You put Mike Krzyzewski there and then put whomever else you want in that. He is he is at that kind of level within his profession. So when he has that much returning talent and transfers that are going to be eligible and incoming freshmen, I think that's why Kansas was such a decided winner. They were up 20 points over Kentucky. So coaches really expect firmly that the Jayhawks will be the best team in college basketball next season. And uh, if that proves to be true, obviously it would amount to Bill Self's second national championship with Kansas. Hey, Matt, thanks for getting up for us. Make sure you go check out his candid coaches poll. He and Garrett Paris did a great job. Thanks for joining us, man. Fellas, appreciate it so much. Thank you. You got it. All right, college basketball. I'm not dialing in that till a little bit later. But I do like the fact that you broke it down. Yeah. For and the net thing, I, I, we will be sick of it. It's I'm too complicated March. for me, though. Uh, so you know how I feel about preseason NFL football, right? Like, eh. I think I get the gist. I don't. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I think I'm like most people. Right. Week three, which is what we are on right now, is the closest thing you'll get to normal NFL football. Right. Because this is really the dress rehearsal. That's the term you always use. Because they'll play most of their starters. They'll play them. Most teams will play them the entire first half, and then they have them come out of the locker room to play to start the third quarter, just so they get that feel. Again, does it work? Is it semantics? It's just the way they do it for a long time. But the Eagles and Browns play uh, tonight. Right. What do you think we'll learn about this team, other than uh, what we already know about them from Harden? I don't think you're going to learn a whole lot. I mean, I think you'll see that there's less of a quarterback competition than you think or that there's really a quarterback competition going on cuz obviously if they roll Baker out there earlier right now you got now you now you're like uh-oh um but i think that you'll you'll get a better look at Tyrod cuz he'll play to Rod cuz to Rod sorry <laughs> do it all year sorry long. um but yeah i think that'll be put to bed right yeah. and i think that we can move on from there if you're a Browns like franchise and fan base once you see Tarod rolled out you'll know that that's what it is at least until he goes 0 and 2 right you've got your problems other than that i don't know how how much else you're going to see no I, well i am flabbergasted why the eagles would put Nick Foles out in the field like you know how my feelings are in any of totally. franchise quarterback but he's one of the best quarterbacks backup quarterbacks in the league you don't know how Carson Wentz is fully you know feeling after his ACL injury and Foles just left the game because he had this shoulder tweak that was awkward moving like why would you subject him to anything I'd let Nate Sudfeld go out there and play the whole entire game like good luck go have fun and don't even worry about the other two but coaches are stubborn the way they do it Hugh Jackson I think as much as I question a lot of his like he's a player's coach and I worry that the Browns are going to walk all over him take advantage of him in practice I admire the way he's handled this quarterback situation because he's he's made it clear Baker Mayfield was going to start three. He's worked his way up, but he's like, this is Terod Taylor's team. We're, right. not, we're not we're not taking him out of there. So I think what you're going to see tonight is what you're saying. I think you're going to see uh, Terod Taylor play three quarter, you know, first half and just come out this, the third quarter. And I think you're going to see Baker play the rest of the game. Then you'll see Baker play more. But I think he's made it clear we are starting the season with Taylor as our quarterback, and that I think is a good thing for a team. I am high, and I. I feel like, hopefully, I've been high on the Browns since before Hard Knocks. Because people fall in love with a team once they get to know them. Right. And all this Vegas money's pouring on the Browns. I feel like when they signed to Rod Taylor, I was like, oh, they got a, they got a pretty good quarterback. Like, they have a chance to be good. I still think they can be pretty good this year. I'm talking like 8-8, eight and eight, like maybe a wild card spot yeah. in the playoffs. I think they can be good. Um, it, You touched on something that kind of took me back to the quarterback competitions in, in college. It's the same thing. Like, you... 
you only have a competition and a and a uh like a what's the word that I'm looking for like some sort of dilemma there from a fan base perspective or a locker room perspective if if you as the coach or the manager allow it to happen if right. you come out and you manage it which you said you admire about Hugh Jackson yep. you put it to bed look this is what it is this is what it's going to look like going forward you put that to bed people fall in line they know what to expect guys can kind of get in line they can rally around whatever the choice or, or candidate that you chose was but but that's the way you do it you don't let it linger you don't let people's imaginations run wild uh and to your point I I do like what the Browns have done with that. Now, if you choose down the line uh, to bring Baker in because Taraz not doing his job, that's right. another story. But we don't have any kind of controversy here. That's nope. the word I was looking for. And he's this is cutting dry. It. Yep. And and Taraz Taylor has played really well. Like he's fended off the competition. He said, "You know what? I, I'm good. I'm I got this team on lock." And he's done a great job of it. I was talking about me liking this this Browns roster. So they signed uh, Michael Kendricks, who was on the Eagles last year. He was on Hard Knocks the other night, and they caught him saying a line. And you always wonder, like, the producers do a great job picking things, pulling them, making them look good. So he had he's on camera, and he's saying, we got so much more talent in this room than I had in Philly, it's not even funny. So watch out, Eagles. They're not going to be happy about that one. But I totally get it. He's on a new team. He's trying to build of up. Of course. Like, he's not dissing the Eagles at all. Like, it's not that big of a deal. If there had been a direct question posed to him, and he was talking into the camera, and they said, what team is more talented? And he said, we are. Like, that's one thing. But when you catch him just walking around talking to his teammates, what, what else is he going to say? Right. Right. Debo actually hit us up with a pretty good note because I don't know if you remember this. Philly last year had a ton of injuries. Like, a lot of their better talent was hurt last year, and they kind of did come together. I mean, look, they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. That's yeah. the backup quarterback. You don't see that happen. They had injuries all across the board. So maybe Michael Kendricks is right saying they they have a better starting the year better talented roster than the Eagles have when they're playing with a bunch of backups and still winning. Right. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch, no doubt. Uh, we got to get to leftovers. I teased at the top of the show an injury that happened in baseball. We finally found out what it was, and you're not going to believe it. It didn't it's have to do with marble sacks. Did it? No, no. no. All right. <laughs> sacks today. We'll get to that next on Off the Bench. All right. Welcome back to Off the Bench with Ken Ellen Bell. Let's get some leftovers today. So the, the injury I was talking about. Yeah. So the Toronto Blue Jays, Aaron Sanchez. He was on the 60-day DL, not the 15-day. The two months. Zero, two-month DL. You know why? Um, injured his finger. Yeah. You know how pitching, he did it? Pitching. Nope. Like training, lifting no, weights. No. Nope. It got. Here's his quote. It got stuck in my suitcase, mm. and it started falling. It all happened in a span of about 30 seconds. I said, ow, and oh. my knuckle got super fat. I pitched that day. Probably didn't help. But it was the first time I was going to pitch in front of my family as a professional, and I wanted to see what I could do. Mm. So suitcase tear. This a suitcase tear. It's, well, what yeah, it, it gets stuck in the zipper, I guess. And how did it affect no, the knuckle? I have no idea. A lot of these injuries. Whenever I hear these, I'm suspect. But I'm gonna go back historically. Some of the weirdest injuries I've ever heard. And I think I might have told this on the pod before. Brian Greasy. Yep. Got hurt his knee, like sprained his knee, and he came out and he told the Denver media. My dog undercut me when I was coming down the stairs and I tore my knee up. Right. Everybody and their brother thought he was made it up because he had been partying or was doing something else, thought it was something nefarious and thought it was totally made up. I thought the thing at the time. He has a golden retriever. I never, we got a golden retriever a year ago. Right. After that dog has almost taken out my ACL about 15 times, believe I believe him? Ryan Greasy. I'm like, yep, that dog probably tore, tore up his knee. I'm gonna like, I totally story. get it. Vladimir Radmanovich yeah. on All-Star break comes back, torn up like shoulder, broken clavicle, all of that. Says he hit a, pot, a patch of black ice in the parking lot uh, and fell and broke his clavicle. Now that, I 
black ice is dangerous. Yeah. Except this guy was snowboarding and <laughs> fell and broke his clavicle. So, like, there are there times, are all, right? Yeah, there's all, every injury. Like, they're going to tear the AC they're playing hoops. Like, you're right. not supposed to play basketball. They're like, hey, I was training with my trainer and, you know, and totally. Or your thing up. Uh, you know who's probably doing some training right now is Manu Ginobili. He's still pondering retirement. He's going to meet with Pop. 16 years in the NBA. He's 41. What do you think he should do? You Ginobili. call him up. What do you tell him to do? Keep hooping, bro. Right. If they're gonna let you if they're gonna let you play ball, um, and you still enjoy the process because that's a big part. If your priorities haven't shifted to the point where you'd like to be home, you you'd rather be around your kids more. If those priorities haven't shifted like that, um, and you still love the grind, then dude, play until uh, they kick you out because uh, you don't how get do you that. Tell back. that. Like, how do you tell that as a player? I didn't have that luxury of getting to call my own shot and hang it up when I wanted to. But I'm because I mean, every training camp I went to, I was like, I don't want to go through so this. I didn't really, I didn't realize it was happening to me because it wasn't like my decision was like, eh, I'm just, I don't really want to do this anymore. I'm going to retire. Like my circumstances were a little different. But it, you know, in retrospect, I wasn't in love with it anymore. Like I didn't know to answer your question. I didn't know. I just didn't want to do it as much. Like right. when I came up. Um, and when I first got in the league, it was all that I ever wanted to do. Like mm-hmm. I just needed to be in a gym. Like I needed to shoot more jump shots. I wanted to run. I wanted to lift. When that starts to become more of a chore than like a love and the chore outweighs the passion for it, then you know you've shifted. Now there's money involved. So like if you're still making a pretty damn good living and, and so on and so forth, you keep doing it. But there comes a time for every player where, where you're like, ah, I well, how, you know how I announced my retirement. I think I might have told you. No, how? So I was working out, training. First year I was out. I had a few, like five workouts. Couldn't get signed. Second year out, I was out two years. I'm like, I had one workout. I was like, oh, I'm still watching. Right. I'm still kind of like staying in shape. After three years out of the league, I got a letter and it said, congratulations, you are retired. <laughs> and that's how I knew. They I was like, out the pasture, bro. <laughs> they put me out the pasture. Put me out of my misery. Uh, Dwayne Wade's son. So we have LeBron James' son. He's viral. Oh, here. D Wade's son has been offered his first D1 scholarship offer to play at Nebraska. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Right? He's a good player. So he's class of 2020, so he's older than LeBron's kid, right? Yeah, he's older that's than only, LeBron's kid. what, two yes. years away. Yeah. So he's getting closer to – so he's about the time when you would start getting offers. What's he going to 11th A lot grade. of people will throw probably LeBron's kid as an eighth grader offers just to say they offered him. But this is probably more legit. Like, this is probably more legit offer. So here's what I'll say, Zaire, because Zaire played at American Heritage last year. Um, I'm coaching over at Western D Wade. Oh. Uh, and we just got your other stud, Damari Monsato. Like he's coming to Western. So if you need a home, bro, you can come <laughs> right over to Western. Hey, we'll tighten you we, up, brother. Are we breaking any, uh, uh recruiting violations? Nah, no, no. Oh, it's all I, good. I, I don't think they're going back to American Heritage. So right. if you need a school, we're right here in there. Dayton. it is. Hey, we can make the announcement, the, the transfer right here. Oh, we'll put up. Yeah, we'll do a whole big thing. Yeah, and we'll lay the hats out. out. He can pick the Western. Yeah, all, all good. right. Done. Uh, we're gonna, I really wanted to break down the Major League baseball schedule for next year i really want to get into really? that but we're, we don't have time we're right. time Dang the northern it. trust it does take off how do you like tiger's chances i like his chances i, I think he's too. rounding into form uh don't care if he wins this one either danny you don't i just care doesn't if he matter wins the, 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 majors. the majors you just want to see him get no, out and, and, or the championship the tour championship right I, a 10 million dollar check in his pocket would be pretty good i think it's considered a success because of everything he's been through, because of how close he's gotten, he's had two top, uh, three top five finishes in majors this year. Yeah. Granted, this U.S. Open was his worst, but it, he's, every other thing he's competed in, he's on the right track. I'll be rooting for him, and it'll make it way more entertaining. And I love all these. Like I'm a golf nut. I like watching all these guys, but there is nothing like watching Tiger on the back nine on Sunday when he's in the mix. You start yeah. hearing the Tiger roars from the crowd. You start hearing all this. So I'll be on my couch doing if, it. If he keeps putting himself in positions like he's been in lately, where he's competing down the stretch, 
Um, he will learn how to close that. Yep. He, he will. Like he'll, he's reconditioning himself to be a championship golfer. So I just care that he's, he's in the mix, that he continues to put himself in the, in the situations and that his body holds up. He's learning how to care for his body too. Like he's still figuring out at 40 years old how to prepare, how much rest he needs, yeah. what type of workouts he can do. So that's all a process in this comeback. And the closer he gets to figuring that out and especially his driver, the closer he's going to get to winning. Agreed. One of these times it's just going to happen. He's going to be holding up that trophy on Sunday afternoon and everybody's going to go nuts. Will it be a major? I don't know. We'll have to watch and see that happen. I hope it's this weekend. I don't care if it's this weekend, but I hope it's this weekend. And we'll give us something to talk about on Monday. That's better. <laughs>